You are listening to the Supermom is Getting Tired podcast. I'm your host, Tori Henderson, and this is episode 130. All links and show notes can be found by going to lifecoachingforparents.com slash 130. Welcome to the Supermom is Getting Tired podcast. This show is designed for moms who invest everything into parenting, but get overwhelmed, lost, and resentful. Listen and learn how to unburden yourself, feel calm, full of energy, and in control. I'm your host, Master Certified Life Coach, Teacher, and Recovering Supermom, Tori Henderson. Hello, Supermoms. Happy summer. I hope you're having a fantastic time. Hope you're getting some relaxation downtime. I finally feel like it's summer. It took me a while to get some uh, time on the lake. We bought our lake house during the pandemic in early 2020. And I guess it's still the pandemic, isn't it? (laughs) But we bought it in the early parts of the pandemic. And last summer, almost exactly a year ago today, we were surrounded by wildfire and the biggest fire Northern California had ever seen. So I kind of got cut short last summer. I didn't get to enjoy like I thought I would at the lake. So this summer was a little delayed, but I finally feel like it's here. I got to go paddle boarding and just hang out on the water, which I love and be amongst the pine trees and ah, love it. I love my time in nature. So I hope you're getting some nice summer fun time too. And I'm excited for today's question. I think it's a good one for this time of year. Before I get into it, I want to remind you that if you are thinking that life coaching might be a good way for you to kind of reset and restart the school year, once school begins, you say, I want a clean slate, I want to change some habits, I want to feel better, that it is still available to you to get $100 off for everybody who leaves me a review. So you can go to lifecoachingforparents.com slash review and make a comment on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or Spotify, or you can uh, do it on social media and just tell your friends about it and then tag me and share a screenshot with me. And uh, everyone who kind of helps me spread the word about this podcast can get a big discount on life coaching. So check it out. All right, let's dive in today. The question for today is, do I need boundaries for my nocturnal teenager? So the question comes from Mary and she says, my college kid is home for the summer and I'm struggling to know what boundaries I should have in place. She's 19, very responsible, but she sleeps until 1 p.m. and stays out late with friends. I love that she has a social life, but this no work and all play doesn't feel right to me. I'm up at 7 a.m. working at my job to pay for her school, her car, her gas, her food. Shouldn't she be up working too? It feels wrong. I expected her to work during the summer like I did when I was her age, but the window for her to get a summer job is closing in. She doesn't seem motivated to work and says that her friends can stay out as late as they want and none of them have jobs. Do I give her a curfew? Do I make her stay home? Do I make her apply for jobs? When I was her age, I worked multiple jobs and I loved it, but all my friends worked too. 
Can you give me clarity on how to handle this unexpected situation? Mary. All right. So let's start with the parent educator answer. And it sounds like the best way to start is to kind of get some clarity. So we'll get clarity on the issues that are bugging Mary from what I can glean from her question. And it sounds like there's three. Number one, her daughter's nocturnal schedule. Number two, not knowing what rules to enforce. And number three, this all play, no work summer lifestyle that her daughter is enjoying and kind of the injustice of that. So my hunch is that if Mary's daughter was out late because she was working a night shift somewhere, then it wouldn't bother her that she was sleeping until 1 p.m. Because in your head, you would have a justification for it, a reason that was aligned with your values. So I think the reason that her nocturnal schedule is bugging you is because it's symbolic of a lifestyle that's not aligned with your values. So for today's parent educator, I think we'll focus on the difference between rules, boundaries, expectations, and values. So let's clarify. Boundaries are personal decisions you make inside your own head to protect yourself. It's a line we draw in the sand to feel safe. Nobody else needs to respect our boundaries, even though you hear people say that on reality TV all the time, like, you're not respecting my boundaries. That's our job, okay? The boundaries are here so that we can have our own back and be the people that we want to be. For example, I have a boundary with myself. That if I start worrying about my children's whereabouts at 11 o'clock at night, I will not indulge this anxiety and go psycho. I will not call 911, call their friends, follow them around town, stalking them in my car. I will not do those things because that's not who I want to be. So I have this boundary, this line on myself. I will look up their location on my iPhone if I need to feel like they're safe and know where they are. Or I will text them and ask them to check in, say, hey, you know, what's your ETA? I will breathe. I will write in my journal. I will coach myself and I will trust that all is well. So having a game plan keeps me from embarrassing myself and putting my anxieties onto my children. So that's my boundary is that I will not act psycho, even when the anxiety starts to rise, that I have a game plan in place to deal with my own anxieties and fears. Another example that I have is a boundary around people yelling at me. I don't like to be yelled at. I'm not saying I never yell at other people, but I have a boundary around people yelling at me. So if anybody, a family member or a stranger on the street communicates by yelling, I'm either going to ask them to calm down or I'm going to walk away. So this keeps me feeling safe because I trust myself to take either action 100% of the time. Boundaries are personal. You can tell people what your boundaries are, but it's really up to you to uphold, educate, and enforce them. So I'm not really sure that a boundary is appropriate here. I didn't hear Mary getting as nervous and anxious as I have the potential to get. I've come a long way. (laughs) It's been a while since I've gotten riled up in that way with anxiety. But I didn't hear that in Mary's thing. So it doesn't sound like she needs a boundary. It sounds like she already feels safe. She just is confused. 
So let's move on to talking about rules. Rules are established by an authority figure and or agreed upon by a group. They can be written or unwritten rules. Kids like rules. Even teenagers like rules. Even young adults like rules. Our society runs on rules. As long as there aren't too many of them. And the reason we like rules is because we like to know what to expect. If there are no rules, you would never know if you were offending somebody or making somebody mad at you. We like to know what the rules are. And we like to have our parents' approval. I say we because it doesn't really matter how old you are. You can be in your 50s and still want your parents' approval. So when we make up a rule, let's say no cell phones at the dinner table, then your kids know what to expect and they know how to please you. They know what the rule is and it's helpful to them. But of course, it only works if there are consequences when the rule is broken. So if your kid is on their phone at the dinner table and you don't say anything, or you're on your phone at the dinner table and you break your own rule, then they're going to learn that you don't really mean what you say and that these rules are not to be followed. So kids like to blame their parents' rules when they feel like they're getting into a situation they aren't ready for. So being clear about your rules is actually a gift to your children. Instead of having to look uncool in front of their friends, kids can blame their parents' rules. Like, oh, my dad says if he finds me vaping, he'll take my phone away. Or I'm not allowed to have a boyfriend until I'm 16. These are things kids can kind of fall back on when they get into a situation that they might be uncomfortable with. So you might not hold too tightly to these rules that you made up, and you might be open to negotiation if your daughter wants a boyfriend at age 15 or whatever. But kids usually like to have them in place. Parents might even notice kids making up rules that aren't true. Like, I have to get straight A's or my dad will kill me. Well, his dad might not care at all about grades, but the student might be embarrassed to admit how much He cares about his grades, and he's using dad as an out to make him look cooler in front of his friends. So in order for kids to respect your authority, it is helpful to have 100% conviction and consistency with our rules, right? We've heard that. We know that that's true, that in order for rules to work, we need to treat it like we treat seatbelts. Every time you get in the car, you buckle up. If you unbuckle, we pull over, we stop the car, we wait until you're buckled up again. We know that this makes life easier when we're consistent and clear and convicted around the rules. So sometimes this fear of needing to be 100% consistent and convicted can prevent parents from making up rules because not all rules are as clear-cut as wearing seatbelts. Right? Like as adults, we understand that the world is nuanced and situational. If we say to our kids, you have to be home by 11 p.m. or you'll lose car privileges for a week, but then our kid gets invited to a, like a fun event that ends at midnight, then 
we get confused. Like, do we uphold our rule and say, well, you have to leave the event early to be home by 11? Or do we bend with this specific situation and say, well, it doesn't end till midnight. So I guess it's okay in this circumstance that you stay up, right? So it's confusing for parents to think about trying to be both consistent and flexible. But it is the way the world works when you get to adulthood. You can uphold a rule while also making room for extenuating circumstances and special events. So we're going to bring these rules up into adulthood to meet the needs of her young adult daughter, who's 18 or 19 and home from college. So examples of rules that Mary might like to implement are always keep your location turned on on your phone. or If you vape or smoke in my car, you're going to pay to have it professionally cleaned. Or be home by 1 a.m. every night. Or I'm not going to give you any more gas money. Rules can be short, clear, easy to remember. But also rules can change and evolve as kids do. So don't hold on too tightly to it. This doesn't have to last you forever. It doesn't have to last you until next summer. Next summer, you might have a totally different set of rules. It might not even have to be there every single time this summer if a special circumstance comes up. As your child grows in wisdom and responsibility, it's appropriate that you will have fewer rules for them. So it really is just think of a rule you can have for this summer to help you feel calm and your daughter to know what to expect and to know how to please you. That's kind of the the good place to make a rule from, okay, is so that you both can rest assured and rest easy. Now let's talk about values. Values are something that are important to you that change over time, and that differ from person to person. It's okay for children to have different values than their parents. In fact, I would say it's probably pretty typical. For example, Mary has a value around hard work. She expects herself and her family to share the same values of hard work and contribution. She feels frustrated and confused because her expectation was that her daughter would get a job this summer wasn't met. But it's okay to keep your values around hard work and contribution, but maybe change the expectation to meet the current reality because it's the expectation that is causing her frustration. So to answer the question about what should she do, we got to take a look at what Mary has control over. Moms cannot make children apply for jobs, interview for jobs, or accept job offers. We can offer our thoughts and feelings on the matter. We can talk about why we think it's important. We can offer conditions like, I'll take you shopping after you've submitted five applications. We can offer incentives and rewards. We can offer consequences. Like if you don't work this summer, I'm not going to give you money for gas. So cars, cell phones, apartments, tuition, and food are most are areas that most parents of 19-year-olds still pay for and therefore still have control over. So the finances is one area where a parent has some say. So let's say you have a value 
around hard work and contribution. Your daughter currently has a value around socializing with friends and enjoying her summer and not working. These can coexist. Yes, it is a little late to look for a summer job, but she could start looking for an on-campus job for the next school year. There are also ways she can contribute that don't look like the traditional summer job that you probably had in mind. She could help you clean and declutter the attic. She can teach grandparents or elderly neighbors how to use their technology. She can do yard work or babysit for friends that need help. Your daughter can sell stuff on Let Go on eBay, Facebook Marketplace. You can She can sell your stuff and split the profits. She could take over cooking for the family. She can plan the family vacation. She can take the car in for maintenance. She can repaint the bathroom. There's lots of ways that she can contribute to the family and work hard while in aligning with your values that doesn't have to look like that traditional summer job you were expecting. So if you widen out your perspective and stay focused on the things you have control over, then you're more likely to have your expectations met. So renegotiating some family rules could be a good thing to do now. Nobody needed curfews during COVID lockdowns, right? Like we weren't like, you have to be home by midnight. Like you were home all day, every day. But now all of a sudden your daughter's coming up from college and maybe having a curfew would give you both peace of mind. If not a traditional curfew, like you have to be home by midnight, it could be just a nightly check-in. You know, text me every night at 11 and let me know where you are, what time you think you're going to be home, let me know you're safe, whatever. It could be just a check-in, different kind of rule that you could set in conjunction with your daughter. You know, your daughter might appreciate knowing what your expectations are and how to make you happy And you would feel more in control of an unexpected situation. So let's do today's life coaching answer. What gets in our way from setting and enforcing rules? Does anybody else out there struggle with setting and enforcing rules? Some people are good at making them, but not keeping them up. And some people avoid making them at all. So let's talk about why that is. I think the main reason that we avoid setting rules is because of fear of how our kids are going to react. We worry that our kids are going to rebel. They're going to lie to us, sneak around behind our backs, that they're going to get mad at us, blame us, feel stifled, or react in a way that's going to ruin our relationship with them. We want to enjoy our kids, whether they're Children, teens, adults, whatever. We want to enjoy them and we want to respect their growing independence. We understand intellectually they have a need to individuate and we worry that making rules is going to mess up our bond with them. I think this idea comes from the times when parents make unrealistic rules out of anger that are impossible to uphold. So like after seeing a bad grade on a report card, a mom might yell, no more cell phones, no more video games for you. Never again. I'm throwing it out the window. (laughs) And then a week later, you cave in and you're like, well, that's unrealistic. I kind of, you know, need him to have a cell phone when he goes out with his friends or I want him to have it so that I know where to pick him up. 
you know, it's we make these rules out of frustration and then we can't keep up. And so we're like, well, why bother making a rule? When we make these off-the-cuff rules from a disempowered, angry state, we learn to associate rules with harsh, authoritative parenting. Or perhaps that's how your parents were. Maybe they were harsh and authoritative and controlling. And so you're like, I don't want to be like that. And so you go to the other end of the spectrum, which is not making any rules. So making and enforcing rules is best when done from calm leadership energy. When we step into our power and we ask for what we want and we believe we are worthy of getting it, good things happen. When we say, hey, I want you to be home by midnight, that feels comfortable to me. I feel like that's reasonable and fair and I can relax and go to sleep and not worry about where you are out and about. Then we feel empowered. We feel like it's okay for us to ask for what we want. Like we're worthy of that. And yet it's common for moms to reject our own authority because we're afraid to be mean. You know, we were afraid to be strict and authoritative and we want to have this open and positive relationship with our kiddos. But that is exactly why we need moms to step into their power and own their authority. Because when women step into leadership positions, their instinct is to do it nicely. Women gravitate towards collaboration, fairness, and kindness. Women are really good at preserving and prioritizing our relationships. This is what we need more of, not just in families, but in our whole world and country. What moms resist is the old-fashioned, over-regulated, command-and-control stereotype of authoritative parenting. So it's finding the balance. I'm not suggesting we go authoritative, command and control, make a whole bunch of rules and you will stick to it like glue and like overregulate it. That's not what we want. What we want is rules that are made with consensus, that are made out of self-respect and mutual respect, that are made out of fairness and kindness. Because here's the thing, like it or not, You are the authority in your family. You pay the bills. You know all the things. You are older and wiser with more education and more experience than your children. You are the authority and you do have power. You absolutely can set rules with consensus. I remember doing this in my classroom on the first day of fourth grade when I was teaching. I asked the students what kind of rules they thought would be good to have and that they made sure that everybody else followed. And these kids raised their hands and suggested every rule that past teachers had in their classrooms. Be kind, be courteous, be responsible. We wrote them on a poster and we hung them on the wall and everybody agreed these were good rules to follow. Mary can negotiate with her teenage daughter about what the rules should be when she comes home from college. Heck, her daughter might want to negotiate some other rules, like don't stop by my dorm room unannounced or something like that. Like, it's okay to have rules come both ways. People like rules. Even rebels 
who get a thrill over bending and breaking the rules need to know what the rules are so that they can have fun stepping past the line and making their their own. Artists and musicians study the rules so that they can use their creativity and think outside the box. You can't think outside the box unless you know where the box is. So rules are okay. Rules are good for kids. They're good for people. People like them. And so today's life coaching answer is to renegotiate your relationship with rules and know that it's okay to set them, to ask for what you want, to renegotiate them as your kids get older and their freedoms change, their values change, and always be saying like, okay, what's the like rule in the house? Let's be kind to one another. Let's have fond greetings and fond farewells when you walk in and out the door. Uh, Let's all come to the dinner table, you know, one, two nights a week. Let's sit together as a family and eat dinner. If everyone's busy going off and doing their own things and driving around to sports, like, let's make it a point to sit down and have dinner together without cell phones. Rules are good and they can be a consensus an opportunity to have consensus in the family. Today's supermom kryptonite is differing values. So one thing that can drain our energy is when we see our child has different values than we do and we extrapolate that into the future. So Mary might be imagining that her daughter's disinterest in working a summer job means that her daughter may never want to work a summer job or any job for that matter. She might worry about her daughter not sharing the same values around hard work as she does. So then we start reacting to this imaginary future scenario in our heads instead of what we're actually dealing with today, right? So we tend to overreact to the current situation because of this futurizing and catastrophizing. So the thing to remember is that values change over time. My hunch is that when Mary was 19, she probably had a higher priority on socializing and hanging out with her friends. And now at this stage of her life, maybe she has a higher value on working hard. So that's really normal. And after so much social distancing, we all have placed a higher priority on socializing and having fun with friends. Like so many kids had social and emotional delays that they're needing to make up for during those two years of reduced socializing. So just because Mary's daughter values play over work this summer doesn't mean it will be her value every summer or from now until eternity. She just might need to make up for some lost time and reestablish some really quality friendships. When my kids were younger, I placed a high value on alone time. Well, now I'm getting more alone time, so it's not as high as a priority. It's not that I don't value it anymore. It's just I don't have to focus on it. So our values are always shifting over time, depending on what we're getting and what we're not getting. And kids' values can be different than parents. You know, my daughter has a value around not eating animals. She would love it if her dad and I were also vegan, but we have different values, and that's okay. So it's okay that you can coexist cohabitate together peacefully, even if you have different values. 
And learning to respect your children's values as they are growing and changing and becoming more vocal about what their values are is part of the love more, care less philosophy that I teach in my Leading Your Teen coaching program. So when we let go of our expectations of how we think things are supposed to be and the values that we think our kids are supposed to have, and we let go of our futurizing and catastrophizing fears, then we can embrace our children's differing values peacefully and admirably. Like we can admire them and recognize how wonderful it is to have kids to think for themselves and they want to differentiate and individuate from their parents. And that's a really good, healthy. Today's Supermom Power Boost is invite yourself. When I was a freshman in high school, I asked a boy to the Sadie Hawkins dance. He gave me a typical freshman boy response. Oh, um, yeah, okay, uh, maybe I'll think about it. Uh, I may have to check. I may have already made arrangements to go with somebody else. So I'll um, get back to you. He, of course, never got back to me, nor did he talk or look me in the eye ever again. From this experience, I decided, well, that sucked, and I'm never going to do that again. (laughs) I am never going to put myself out there and invite somebody to do something where I might get rejected. I felt so brave and so proud for putting myself out there in that moment. I really didn't care much that the guy wasn't anything special to me. I just wanted to be brave, you know? And... I didn't really like like him that much. But I quickly, (laughs) after that incident, developed a fear of rejection that I have carried with me into my adult life. I have a hard time initiating friendships. I kind of wait for them to initiate or I wait for them to make it crystal clear that they are interested in being my friend before I take it a step further. Inviting people over, inviting people to do things always makes me a little bit nervous unless I know for sure that they want to come or that they like me. So when I go to express my desire to socially connect with others, it triggers this little fear of rejection that I developed. I also tend to take it personally when somebody says no to my invitations or says yes and then cancels. I assume it means that they don't like me. (laughs) Okay. So this is the tightrope that I walk on every time I engage socially with uh, friends. Now, I love hosting people. I love planning fun things to do with others. So... It's something I have to face on a regular basis. And this fear of rejection just makes it a little more stressful. Which is why today's Supermom Power Boost is to invite yourself. Because I discovered there is another way. I have a new friend, Darcy, who doesn't seem to have a fear of rejection. She invites herself along to anything that sounds like fun to her. When we bought our lake house, she made it very clear that she wanted to come up and go out on her boat and go water skiing on the lake. Well, this was a gift to me 
because it took all the fear of rejection away. I knew she wanted to come because she invited herself. And if I asked her, she would accept an invitation, like if I picked a date. And especially during, uh, you know, COVID lockdowns, I mean, maybe still more now, but maybe it's still out there. But especially earlier in COVID, it was hard to know who was willing to risk exposure and who was playing it super safe. And so it was a lot easier to get rejected. If I invited somebody to like come spend time with me, COVID was now a new reason why they might say no. But I knew because she invited herself, I knew that it wasn't a rejection of me if she said no. It was just a date that didn't work for her. So for her boldly stating that she wanted to come over to my house helped me not have to deal with the fear of rejection. Now, I have seen her invite herself along to other people's fun adventures too. And it is so good for me to see that whether they say yes or no, it doesn't kill her. (laughs) She doesn't curl up into a ball. She doesn't cry. They don't hate her. And I would say more often than not, she gets invited to do a whole bunch of really cool stuff that she wants to do. So I am learning to take a page out of her book and make it really clear when I want to be invited or included and risking that rejection. Because the social suicide that would have ensued back in high school and middle school from being bold died back there in high school and middle school. Like, it's not so social suicide now to invite yourself. We're adults. I can see that people like to know who likes them and who wants to do fun things. And you're not, like, making them dislike you by inviting yourself. It's this brand new discovery I have. So today's Superbomb Power Boost is to give a gift to the hostess by inviting yourself to join anything that looks fun to you. Instead of letting the hostess worry about being rejected and who may or may not want to join, you can alleviate her fears by making your interests clear. It might sound something like this. Your camping trip sounds amazing. I've never been camping. Would you be willing to take a newbie along with you next time you go? Or how about this? Are there any spots available in your Bunko group? I would love to join. Can I join your book club? Can I join your play group? Is there room for more people to join? I would really like that. You can actually just put yourself out there and ask. And I'm seriously in telling you that I just now discovered that this is a possibility. <laughs> I probably haven't done it as much as I intend to Uh, but I'm going to, I'm determined to do more of this. Okay. Here's another example. Would you like to escape the kids and meet up for dinner and a movie with me next week? I noticed your family goes to the concerts in the park on Friday nights. Could I bring my kids and go with you next time? Make your interests clear as a gift to the hostess. The worst thing that's going to happen to you is um, oh, yeah, oh, maybe, well, I have to see. Um, sure, let me. When you get that same response that I got from that freshman boy, it's not a big deal. Just 
go and do what I should have done when I was 14 and ask someone else to the dance. Go ask someone else that looks fun to hang out with. Go ask somebody else to join in. That's what I should have done that day in freshman year. And that is what I'm inviting you to do. Invite yourself if they say no or come up with these excuses to say no. Just go invite somebody else or offer to ask if you can join someone else's fun party. You will survive and it is worth it because you get to create a life that is fun for you and you get to socialize with people that you want to socialize with. Today's quote of the day, rejection and the fear of rejection are the biggest impediment to choosing ourselves. James Altucher. Thank you so much for listening, Super Moms. I will love you and leave you. Have a great rest of your summer. Want a free life coaching session? Go to lifecoachingforparents.com and schedule yours today. And thank you so much for listening. I would love it if you would subscribe and share these podcasts with your friends. If you have a question you'd like me to answer on the air, go to lifecoachingforparents.com slash record my question and you can send me a voicemail recording or write me an email and I'll answer it on the air. Thanks again. Have a great day.